Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. When Jesus was walking around backcountry Israel, he was proclaiming one message over and over. God's kingdom is here. Through his own life, death, and resurrection, Jesus was making life in God's kingdom, the same kind of life he was living, available to us. This was the good news, or the gospel, that ordinary people, like us, can begin to live everyday life like Jesus. And this is the best kind of life there is, the good life, as some might call it. It's a life of conversation with God, joy that never stops, forgiveness for anything and everything, peace instead of anxiety, trust instead of fear, hope that will not fail, and love for others that never gives up, just for starters. A life radically different from anything we've ever known. But you might have noticed a gap between the everyday life Jesus made possible for us and the everyday life each of us is actually living. Maybe you believe Jesus forgave your sins, but beyond that, it feels like not much has changed. Except maybe how you spend one hour on Sunday morning. That's if you can find a place to park. Many of us are simply not living everyday life like Jesus, and we wouldn't know where to start, even if we wanted to try. We feel stuck in the same old habits and are beginning to wonder if the life Jesus described and lived is actually possible. But what if it still is? Jesus didn't just proclaim the gospel, drop the mic, and walk away, leaving us to figure out how to live this life by ourselves. He invited us to follow him, or in other words, be his disciples, an ancient word that simply means student or learner. Discipleship, then, is the process where ordinary people learn to live everyday life like Jesus. It's an ongoing, lifelong process that bridges the gap between the life each of us is currently living and the life Jesus envisioned for us. Well, good morning, Greenville Oaks, and welcome to 2023. I'm Keith Maloney, one of the ministers here. Our normal uh, preaching minister, Wade, is away, either out of town, visiting relatives for the holiday, and he's invited me to share a a message with you today. So we're glad to start the new year. Did you know that New Year's is the most observed holiday in the entire world? It is virtually universal. Almost every country, every people observes some kind of celebration for New Year's. And along with that, we often make New Year's resolutions. We've got decided we've got a fresh start here. We're going to go and, and do things differently. We've got a new beginning, so to speak. And uh, we make resolutions to stop doing things that are less healthy and start doing things that are more healthy. Maybe you're going to, uh, maybe you're going to exercise more, or you're going to lose weight, or maybe you're going to stop spending so much and save some money, or maybe you're going to do various different things uh, that get us out of some unhealthy and some things that aren't so good and into some better things. Not all New Year's resolutions are quite so noble, though. I saw a website that asked people to share some of their New Year's resolutions, and here's a few of what they said. I resolved to stock up on fresh fruits and vegetables and eat them before they turn into green mystery goop in the back of the fridge. 
I resolved to manage to go the entire year without accidentally telling some ra- someone random on the phone, love you, as the call ends, although the scheduler from my dentist's office did seem to appreciate it. I resolved to read more, or at least turn the subtitles on while binge-watching television. I resolved to carefully read all of the directions on a box of food before throwing it away so that I don't have to go garbage diving midway through making Hamburger Helper. I resolved to pick movies on Netflix swiftly and decisively so that, you know, I actually hit play before falling asleep. I resolved to discover once and for all why it takes three attempts to plug in a USB. I resolved to stop feeding the office plant leftover coffee. I'll use water instead. And I resolved to stop lying to myself about following New Year's resolutions. Now, that last one is one that a lot of us can relate to. We are not interested in any way in making New Year's resolutions. People think, look, I know already I'm not going to keep them all year. Why should I go bother to make the resolution when I know it's just an exercise in futility at best and something to make me feel guilty and and ashamed and more like a failure than I already am at worst. So they just don't do it. Honestly, I don't know if it makes any big difference whether we make New Year's resolutions or not. I don't hear God say anything about that. But I do have a concern about that view when we use it for our spiritual life, for our walk with Christ. Because as I talk to people, I hear kind of in between the lines, a lot of people, the message is, you know, I know we're supposed to be becoming more and more like Jesus, but man, I've tried and it just doesn't work for me. Why would I want to make an effort to try to become something different when I know I'm going to fail in it? I'm just going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel bad about myself. And so, you know, talking about being like Jesus, oh, that's great. That, that sounds good in church and all that. But in the real world, in my real life, come on, I've tried. It doesn't work for me. That's just hyperbole anyway. When we look at our spiritual life that way, the problem is it's simply not true. We've bought into a lie. You know, they call the spiritual enemy that we face, the deceiver, for a reason. He's really, really good at what he does. He, he likes to lure us into misconceptions about who God is and what he's about. For one thing, he, gets us, he convinces us that God is some uh, cosmic killjoy who's just waiting for us to mess up so that he can punish us or make us feel guilty about it. Or he convinces us of the other extreme. God is some heavenly Santa Claus who just smiles all the time and pats his children on the head and has no expectations that they will ever become anything other than what they already are. Both of those are absolutely untrue. God's heartfelt desire 
is for you and me to become more and more like Jesus as we continue this journey of faith. He wants us to grow and mature in Christ and become like his son. Paul talks about this process in the letter he wrote to the church in Philippi in the first century in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 12. He says, my dear friends, you always obeyed when I was with you. Now that I'm away, you should obey even more. So work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. Now, I'll just be honest about it. This passage was really a struggle for me when I was younger because I read the New International Version, which says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I thought, whoa, if, I, if it's up to me to work out my own salvation, no wonder there's fear and trembling involved because there's no way I can ever live up to what God intends for me to be. But that's not at all what Paul's saying here. Look at what he says. He says, discover what it really means to be saved. And that's not just something I think that he needed to say to the Christians in Philippi in the first century. I think if we were writing a letter to you and me here at Greenville Oaks today, he would say the same thing. Discover what it really is to me to be saved. Because when I talk to people, what I understand is a lot of people think that there are two dimensions of our salvation. There is a dimension of the past where our sins are forgiven and a future dimension where we have a hope to go and be with God for eternity in heaven. And both of those are absolutely vital parts of being saved. But it completely leaves out the present in between. And God has no intention of not experiencing salvation for us now. What does that look like? And that's what Paul is saying that we need to be finding out. Discover what it really means to be saved right now. The New Century Version puts it this way, because God is working in you to help you want to do and be able to do what pleases him. The idea that it's up to us, that we just have to gut it up and grit it out and make it happen by our sheer willpower is completely foreign to what the Bible teaches. What the Bible calls us to be, what Jesus calls us to be as his followers in, in simplest terms, is like God's son. <clears throat> but the deceiver convinces us that's just not possible. Often it looks something like this. Somebody, somebody hears the good news about Jesus, and they're touched, they're moved deep in their soul, and they respond answering that call that he's made on their life. And at the beginning, everything is wonderful. There's this kind of a honeymoon period, and you just, you just love reading the Word and other spiritual literature. You, you just can't wait to be involved in moving times of worship, and, and you spend time in prayer, and you, you love to tell other people about this new experience in your 
your life and you spend your hours serving others and it's just wonderful. And you start to see your life change and you start to see yourself changing. But then over time, it sort of slows down and it comes to stall. And what was new and fresh and and really, really moving to you, it just doesn't seem that way anymore. And you wonder, why? And you see this gap between what God describes our life in Christ like and the reality of your life. Because instead of becoming more and more like Jesus, I... I worry too much about money or about my job. Or I get envious or jealous of people who are more successful or more attractive than I am. Or I I yell at my children when they're not doing what I think they do. And I become really critical of other people who aren't living the way I think they should. Sometimes I even shade the truth or maybe just not tell everything so that I look better to other people or I don't get into trouble. And I see this gap between God's describing what our life is like in Christ and the reality of my life. And I'm, and I'm distressed by that. People find all kinds of different ways to try to deal with that gap. Probably the most common way is just, we decide we're just gonna try harder. You know, we, we had it once. We're, we're just going to try harder. We're going to make it happen. We're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and become more like Jesus. <clears throat> we decide we're going to get up earlier and we're going to spend time in prayer and we're going to read the Bible every day and, and, and we're going to we're gonna grow in all of these spiritual qualities. You hear about somebody who gets up at four o'clock in the morning to pray for an hour before they start their day. And you think, that's exactly what I need to be doing. So you set the alarm at four o'clock in the morning and it goes off and you get up and you have every intention of doing it, but you're groggy and you're tired and you're, you're, you're confused and kind of dazed and not in focus because you're not a morning person and you just don't function before that time of the day. And I think Jesus looks at you and says, man, you need to go back to bed. But we think, man, this is hard and it's, it's, it's really difficult and it's exhausting. So it must be spiritual, right? So you keep doing it. And you do it for a few days or a few weeks or maybe even a couple of months. And then you get tired and then something comes and you, you stop. And then you feel guilty about not doing it. And you get this renewed desire and you start over again. And there's just this cycle of of dedication and commitment and weariness and exhaustion and guilt and shame and then redoing it again. And it just goes around and finally you just go, you know, it's just not working. No matter how hard I try, I don't seem to be able to do it. You're tired, not just physically, but in your soul. And you read... Things that Jesus says, like in Matthew 11, when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But to tell the truth, those are kind of confusing words to you. They're not hopeful 
because you don't feel like it's restful at all. You just feel exhausted. Some people look at the gap and they have tried trying harder and it's not working. So they just decide they're going to pretend everything's okay. We just kind of fake it till we make it, you know. And and every every time you see them, they're smiling and their life is full of miracles. And every other sentence ends with praise the Lord. And every decision they make is a word from God. And everything is just wonderful all the time. And it might look good, but when they're alone and they look deep inside, they realize this is not really working. Some people look at that and they think, man, I just need to have this deep spiritual experience. I just need to have something that moves me. And, and uh, man, a great example of that is, you know, back in ancient times when I was a youth minister, we would take the students to, to camps or to retreats or something, and we'd be there for a few days and nights and everybody would get worn out. And on the last night, we would have this, this wonderful worship service. And there was this wonderful time of praise. And then somebody would deliver a message that was extremely emotional about rededicating your life to Jesus and, and or giving your life to Jesus. And there would be, I mean, by this time, everybody was kind of sleep deprived anyway. And there'd be all these tears and everybody would love everybody. And it was all wonderful. And then we'd go home on the bus the next day, and man, we were all going to be super saints. And that would go on for a few days or a few weeks. And then everything just kind of get back to normal, you know? And some people look at all these different things, and they just give up. Oh, they, they stay a Christian. Normally, they usually they keep coming to church. Maybe they're involved in some things, but they don't really have any expectation of their life changing as they're following Jesus. Here's the question as we begin 2023. What if Jesus really knew what he was talking about? What if there really is a way for our lives not to be exhausting or going from one high to the next or just trying harder, but to connect with God in a way that changes how we live our lives and who we are as followers of Christ? What if... We don't need to try so hard to be super saints. But we just need to learn how to stay connected to God from one moment to the next, to the next, to the next. In a sense, our task is not to change ourselves, not to transform ourselves, not to just keep trying harder or any of those other things. Our task is to stay connected to him and allow him, by his power, to change my life. One of the most important truths I've come to understand as a follower of Jesus is the difference between trying to do something and training to do something. When Paul wrote his letter to the church in Rome, 
He said in Romans 12, beginning of verse 1, Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, I think Paul hit on the key to this kind of transformation process. There's two elements that have to be there. He says you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to come to see, to understand, to believe things differently in order to be transformed in the image of Jesus. Because what we believe determines how we act. But it's not just believing differently. He also says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's not talking about what we think. That's not talking about our head, our understanding. It's talking about our experience. It has to include our entire selves. Experience plays a major part in any kind of spiritual transformation. The best example I know of that I can explain to illustrate that is learning how to ski. When you first go to learn how to ski and you take a lesson, they teach you how to put your skis on. They teach you how to get up when you fall over because you're going to fall over a lot when you're first learning. And, And they teach you how to control your speed by putting your skis in a little wedge and you push against the snow and it slows you down. It works pretty good if you're already going pretty slow to begin with. But it's really, really strenuous, really tiring. Because you're by your own strength, your own muscles, you are controlling, slowing down and stopping. But after you get used to that for a little while, then they teach you a different way. They say, hold your skis parallel, not just V, parallel and turn to slow down. Because then, instead of using your own strength, your own muscles to fight against gravity that's pulling you down the slope, you use gravity for you. And you turn and you let the terrain stop you. And it becomes so much easier, so much less exhausting. Now, When I first tried that, did I believe what they said? Well, yeah. In my mind, I believed it because I knew enough about physics to get the principle that was involved. But part of me didn't believe it because when I got up on the slope and turned those skis pointed straight downhill, it felt like I was going to just slide right off the side of the mountain. And my hands didn't believe it. My sweaty palms didn't believe it was okay. My churning stomach didn't believe it was okay. All right? My my racing heartbeat didn't believe it was okay until I did it a few times. And I got used to it, going back and forth. And suddenly, what had been so strenuous, so exhausting, became so much easier when I let 
gravity work for me. And that's what Paul's talking about. It's not just your head that makes the difference. We have to experience doing it differently. Same is true in our spiritual lives. Do I believe what God said when he said the hairs on our head are numbered and nothing can separate us from his love? Absolutely I do with my head. But when those tough times come and everything starts to crash and fall apart around me, sometimes it's harder to believe with my whole self. Do I believe what Jesus said when he says it's better to give than to receive? Absolutely, I believe that with my head. But sometimes I have a struggle to overcome the inertia I've accumulated about receiving more than giving. We have to experience what Christ calls us to do before we ever come to believe it with our own, our whole selves. One of the great misconceptions about spiritual growth is that information produces transformation. Now, folks, information is essential. We have to understand who God is. We have to go to the Bible to understand his word. But that alone doesn't change people. Have you ever known someone who knew 10 times more than the average person about God and the Bible and spiritual things? But when you looked at their life, it was obvious they weren't 10 times more joyful or loving or spiritually mature than the average person. If <clears throat> information alone is not adequate to transform people. If it were, then all we would have to do to overcome drug abuse and alcohol dependency is explain to people the downside of it, and it would go away. But we all know that wouldn't work. All we would have to do to eliminate poverty is to explain to people how to be self-sufficient. But that doesn't work. All we would have to do to have wonderful, perfect marriages is just explain to people how you do that. But you all, we all know that doesn't work, right? It takes more than understanding. It takes experiencing what God is calling us to do. I think the Living Bible makes that clear in the way it translates Romans 12 and verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think, then you will learn from your own experience how his ways will really satisfy you. And that's what I want to challenge every single one of us to focus on as we begin this year of 2023 learning from our own experience how his ways can really satisfy us so that we can experience this fresh newness in what we do and think as followers of Jesus.
so that we can be transformed, not by trying harder, not by going from one emotional high to the next, not by pretending everything is okay, but by experiencing what it is to see his promises become real in our lives. Now, this isn't a simple task or an easy one. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. But it's not something we do either. It's something God does in us. However, I've observed that God does this most often in those who make themselves available to him for him to work that way. And one way we can do that is by participating in what we call here at Greenville Oaks the discipleship pathway. It begins with something called the rooted experience. It's a 10-week, simple 10-week process that introduces us to doing and seeing things in a different way to enable us to see Scripture differently, to understand who God is differently, to learn how to pray differently, to see our spiritual walk in a different way. It's the rooted experience because it's much more than a class or a typical small group. It's an introduction to how we allow God to work in our lives so that we can experience the kind of salvation that Paul talks to the Romans and the Philippians about. If you have already been through the rooted experience, I want to encourage you as strongly as I can. Don't stop there. That's the introduction. But decide to participate in one of the going deeper groups that are beginning in two weeks. If you haven't been through the Rooted Experience, please come two weeks from today on January the 15th down in the Student Center at 3 p.m. because we will be beginning new Rooted Groups, and that's an information session. You're not committed to anything, but come and learn about it so that you can understand a way you can begin this wonderful journey of discipleship. It doesn't work magic. God is the one who is at work, but it's a wonderful blessing. We had almost 200 people from this church go through rooted experience, and I hope you will be a part of it in, in a couple of weeks. It's a wonderful journey, and we want to share that with you so that your awareness, your experience of God's wonderful salvation isn't just in the past being forgiven of your sins or in the future with the hope of living with him in heaven, but it's also experiencing his transforming power today in this abundant life he wants you to know. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, thank you so much for the incredible gift of your son who came to completely change 
who we are in relation to you to make us sons and daughters of the King of heaven. Father, keep us from being sucked into the deception of the evil one that tells us salvation here and now in this life is not real. But instead, let us make ourselves open to you to work in us and begin this transformation process that is such a blessing so that we can be a blessing to others. I pray that you will be at work in the lives of every single person here today and all those joining us online as we continue this journey of faith in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray and amen. Stand for our benediction, would you? May God be at work within you, giving you both the desire and the ability to do what he calls you to do and become what he calls you to become in Jesus Christ. Go in peace. And Happy New Year. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Green Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.